Welcome to the Creek Default Podcast, where we discuss the latest news, laws, and trends affecting your industry. Welcome back to the Creek Default Podcast. I'm your host, George Lepinotis. I'm joined today by two of my litigation partners, Mark Quigley and Libby Goodnight. Mark, Libby, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank you, George. Oh, in unison. That's awesome. So, um, it is an honor to have you here in the podcast studio. Are you uh, impressed with our, our digs here? It's a pretty impressive studio, is it not? Yeah, I thought it was a closet, but it looks pretty good. <laughs> well, there you go. So, now that you're here, let's make the most of our time. Today's topic for our listeners' enjoyment is arbitration versus litigation, for short. And I wanted to preview this topic a little bit by, first off, defining what we mean when we say litigation and what we mean when we say arbitration. And I think that you know litigation can maybe take on various different forms, but I think for our discussion today, we're talking about a certain form of litigation, are we not? Yes, we are. Uh, arbitration is uh, an alternative dispute resolution process that's an alternative to the traditional court system. Uh, so instead of going before a judge uh, or a jury in a court, uh, you're uh, appearing before an arbitrator or an arbitration panel of perhaps three arbitrators uh, in a more uh, informal um, and usually confidential setting. Okay. And when you say appearing in, in arbitration, and, and actually let's get to that in a second, but back to that court system. I believe that due to pop culture and um, maybe our understanding of our constitution and our formational documents that everybody understands that our court system, the third branch of our government, is designed to resolve disputes. What is it about that court system that lends itself to the reality and the need for an alternative dispute resolution? I think one of the um, frustrations with the court system that um, people in arbitration hope to avoid is uh, delay. Sometimes it takes um, two or more years to get a jury trial. Um, very common for it to, to be two to three years before you can get a jury trial. And so the traditional court um, process um, has a reputation to be very slow. As a matter of fact, I think for those of our listeners that have not experienced litigation, not only is it slow, but it's fair to say that it's also expensive and intrusive, both in financial costs, but also in other capital costs, correct? Sure. And also, um, because uh, the court system is, is an extension of the government, um, there's a lot of public policy around um, ensuring that court proceedings are public, uh, that court filings are available to the public. Uh, and so often that's one of the uh, benefits of arbitration that uh, those who include arbitration provisions in their agreements uh, like the benefits of the confidentiality and not having their sort of dirty laundry aired uh, in court. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so when we look at the court system, while it has its place, is that, would you both, I mean, both of you as litigators, partners in our litigation practice, I would assume that you would agree that, that the courts have their place in the American dispute resolution landscape. Sure. In fact, I would say court proceedings are um, much more um, heavily used than arbitration proceedings. And so, yeah, court um, is certainly a, a way to go and um, an option that our clients use all the time. Yeah. But on the flip side, while some mainstream media outlets and, and others have, have uh, maybe 
begun to or attempted to disparage arbitration. The arbitration process is not a bad one, is it, Libby? No, it's not. And I think it's important to step back first and and recognize that um, arbitration can only occur by agreement. And so if an arbitration provision is is in place, it's because two parties have agreed uh, to that arbitration provision. So I think that also addresses the fairness issue as well. Um, so if a, a party to a contract or a consumer doesn't like the fact that there's an arbitration provision in that agreement, they're free to do their business elsewhere. Uh, yeah, and I think that's fair. The flip side, of course, being that a lot of these agreements we all agree to on our day-to-day lives and don't realize we're agreeing to them, correct? I mean, I'll, I'll take, for instance, an end-user license agreement on a piece of software that I might buy. Uh, <laughs> saying this on air as an attorney is probably a bad thing, but I don't routinely read those things. Um, I have better things to do with my time. And do I want to stop using the Microsoft product that I'm buying, uh, Word or others, because it's got an arbitration clause? Probably not going to do that. I think the question really is, is the arbitration process, knowing that many of us on our day-to-day lives are agreeing to it without even knowing we're agreeing to it, is it fair? Yeah, I, I think it's fair. I, I think it has pros and cons just like court does, and I'm sure we're going to hit uh, a lot of the pros and cons of that today. Well, and I think that when you look at the pros and cons of everything, the idea is that human systems are, by their nature, not perfect. We all try to do the best job we can. Um, My point with arbitration is simply that arbitration is, in fact, um, just like the court system, as good as what you put into it. Uh, It's a decider of facts, ultimately. Yes, It is, and I I guess the... um maybe want to draw a distinction going back a little bit. Some of the consumer um, arbitration provisions that you have are going to be different than some of the very sophisticated deal um, transactional type arbitration provisions. And so both the the body, um, governing body, and the rules that apply to a consumer dispute are going to be very different than what most of our um, large, sophisticated clients deal with in their arbitration provisions. So I, I think they're both fair, um, but even one size doesn't fit all, even for an arbitration. So Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. I think that's fair to say. Um, Libby, going to your experience with, uh, with arbitration, uh, I know you've arbitrated a lot of cases. You've tried a lot of cases or, and, and worked on a lot of litigation um, all the way through appeals. Is there something about the arbitration process that you, as an attorney, prefer over the standard court system? Uh, well, I, I think in many ways arbitration is more streamlined, uh, in, uh, particularly in federal court. There's lots of rules and there's lots of technicalities and that uh, drives up costs sometimes because you're um, you know, meeting certain requirements and you're making certain filings and, and there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through, whereas... Um, it's a little bit more streamlined. There's it, there's less formality in arbitration. You're not necessarily filing things just to meet a certain technical requirement in a rule. Um, but you know that that there's two sides to the coin. So the flexibility also means that if you have somebody on the other side that maybe isn't very cooperative or isn't yeah. doing what they should be doing, then you don't necessarily have sort of the force of a federal judge behind you um, to kind of whip parties into shape. And so there's two sides of the coin. What do you do in that scenario? What do you do if you are faced with an arbitration provision? You've agreed to it. And and let's just, for the sake of our discussion, let's say that they're both sophisticated parties. They both agreed to this arbitration clause in their agreement. 
and one side potentially is not as cooperative or not as engaged in the process as the other. Um, are there are there rules to that process, and are there things are there teeth that that you as an attorney can rely upon? Well, it depends on where you're arbitrating and what rules you've agreed to. So you know there are certain forums. Um, uh, like the the Arbitration Association, American Arbitration Association, that might have some rules that um, are similar uh, to some of the procedural rules that you might find in federal court. Um, but really, at the end of the day, you're sort of at the um, uh, at the whim of the arbitrator or the arbitration panel uh, deciding how to resolve um, sort of procedural conflicts or issues. Um, dealing with discovery and so forth. Um, I don't know, Mark, if you have other thoughts on how to deal with sort of a, uh, a difficult opposing party in arbitration. Yeah, I, I would say that um, arbitrators want to make sure that the process is fair. That's part of their job. Are we, are, you know, do we have a forum that's fair to the parties? And so I think you can rely and petition on your arbitrator to um, help correct some, some problem um, opposing counsel. But it's 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 not like going up against a federal judge. Sure. <laughs> so. Sure. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Who are who is an arbiter? Who what makes up an arbitration panel? We know federal judges or even state judges have some disclosure rules and are vetted in a certain way, whether it be by a legislature, a governor, or an election process. Um, who are these arbiters? Who makes up these panels? That's a great question, and how you select the arbitrators is really important to the process. And so um, one of the benefits of arbitrators is that you can find a usually a subject matter expert to hear your case rather than a jury or a judge who may not be familiar with the topic. And so that can be a real benefit. A lot of times you have a panel of individuals from whom the parties can select. Um, sometimes you can select by agreement, even if someone's not on the panel. And so the key is to get a process for selecting that's fair. Um, some provisions have one party select one arbitrator, the other party select the other arbitrator, and then those two will select a third. Um, and sometimes that can be unfair. You can be, your opponent can select uh, his or her drinking buddy, and uh, you select somebody that's going to be fair and impartial, and and here you're already uh, fighting with one arm behind your back. And so the selection process is very important, but that's a huge benefit to arbitration if you can get the right person. Back to that drinking buddy. Uh, I have lots of drinking buddies who I'm sure would love to be arbitrators, but there are qualifications that these people have to meet, are there not? Well, typically they're attorneys, but not always. So I had a construction dispute where the panel had not only attorneys and retired judges, but also industry experts. And so um, I think that was a AAA um, panel. And so sometimes when you get one an industry expert, you get an industry expert more so than um, a, a lawyer or a judge. Um, and as we uh, listen to my chime go off, we are reminded that we have to uh, kind of um, move it along. So when you're looking at these judges and you're looking at these people to form the panels, are they professional at that job or are they simply other, they have other jobs, they have other careers, and maybe they're just simply acting in this role for this moment, Libby? 
Uh, yeah, you know, actually one of our colleagues, uh, Judy Woods, uh, is uh, an arbitrator who's um, been vetted um, through the AAA, uh, is on a panel, and so, you know, when uh, parties are looking for arbitrators, her name and uh, pops up fairly frequently as somebody that they can select, and they can look at her biography, they can see what her qualifications are, um, and decide whether or not to select her. So um, many of the organizations that um, kind of oversee arbitration provide some of those rules. Uh, those associations have a vetting process uh, and a panel list of people that they've approved um, to arbitrate matters. And so um, there is a vetting process um, to, to get on one of those lists. And back to those large contracts. That so, we've... George, you wouldn't qualify. I would not qualify. <laughs> that, would be, that would be very fair to say. Um, so, but uh, as we look back at those agreements that we talk about, and where they're naming those AAAs or other types of arbitration agencies, that's usually pretty common in those agreements that they that they name a a organization to help run some rules as well as select arbiters. I I would highly recommend that they select one AAA Jams um, some of the bigger um, agencies that have um, a good database of arbitrators as well as you know, established procedural rules. Perfect. So. Um, Going back to some of the comparisons with traditional court systems, let's talk about that pretrial process. So we all know, we were, Libby and I were talking yesterday about how few cases go to trial anymore. That the old idea that, you know, you walk into court with a file and figure it all out before a judge is probably not how most cases are resolved in the court system today anyways. Um, so that two years you talk about to get to jury trial is largely filled with other things, including probably the most painful, discovery. How is discovery handled in mediation in arbitration? Uh, there are many similarities, obviously. I mean, discovery, even in the court system, is somewhat self-executing. The parties are essentially doing that amongst themselves, and really the only time the court has to intervene is if somebody isn't cooperating with discovery and there has to be, you know, like a motion to compel, um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so really it's a lot of this, uh, the same stuff that happens uh, in court. I think... The biggest issue and the biggest difference, uh, and perhaps one of the detractors of arbitration, is that um, you know there's really some conflicting authority about you know whether or not you have there's there's no subpoena power. So if you need to subpoena an, a non-party witness uh, in a different state that might have uh, information that's helpful to your case, that might be more difficult to get in an arbitration because you're in an informal setting. You don't have the subpoena power of the court behind you. Um, to get that information. So that is one thing to consider, particularly if you've got um, a potential dispute that involves, you know, multiple non-parties that might have information relevant to your case. I think uh, arbitrators also try to limit the time of discovery. Um, sometimes the number of depositions or interrogatories that can be served. And so you can either write that in your rules or defer to the rules of the um, panel. But I think the panel, the arbitration panel um, or arbitrator has a lot of say in how much discovery is going to be done. And you're typically not going to have years to do it. Yeah. Which, to be fair to the arbitration path, can be a fair way to do things, right? I mean, years of discovery don't oftentimes reveal 
gotcha information, right? I know that's popular in, in movies and, and books, but the reality is that sometimes discovery is just a tool to bludgeon your opponent to death. I think everyone would uh, welcome limited limits on discovery. <laughs> well put, Mark. <laughs> but but fair. Uh, in one uh, a quick war story, one arbitrator wanted to limit it so much, he um, said, um, for written discovery, I want everyone to exchange documents that you would need to under federal initial disclosures. And so that's great. Problem with that is federal initial disclosures talks about documents that are going to support your case, not documents that are going to uh, be harmful to your case. And so this arbitrator's solution was, hey, just give the other side your good documents, not your bad ones. Um, that didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, I could see where that would not work. Libby, um, as kind of some final thoughts, if you have a choice, and I know that oftentimes we don't have a choice, as we talked about earlier. Sometimes we agree to these things and don't don't necessarily understand what we're agreeing to, or we've agreed to it knowingly, and therefore the choice was made a long time ago. But if you have a choice as an attorney, when is it that you would pick arbitration over the traditional court system as a dispute resolution tool? Oh gosh, that's a really hard question. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Well, then I'll, I'll pivot the question. Is there a time that it's been more successful for you? Is there, are, are there experiences you've had where arbitration really has been a, a, a good thing for your client's needs? Uh, I think um, particularly for clients um, who, who do deal um, with a lot of consumers, um, particularly in you know, sort of highly regulated industries, uh, I do think um, the, the arbitration avenue uh, can be much more streamlined, particularly when the uh, amount in dispute might be nominal or it might be a, a small amount. Um, I think when you're dealing with, you know, sort of more bet the business type of litigation where, you know, perhaps it's quite sophisticated or, you know, there's a lot of money at stake uh, or, um, you know, just a way of do, you know, impacting the way of doing business, then, you know, perhaps you might want, you know, sort of the added safeguards um, that um, a traditional uh, court system would allow, uh, including appeal, because one of the drawbacks, I guess, of arbitration is that it's fast and it's streamlined, but there's also no appeal right. Yeah. Uh, and so at least uh, in the federal uh, or state court system, you're able to get that last bite at the apple if you didn't uh, uh, get a successful result in the trial below. So you're saying that if I have a problem with that $99 I spent with Microsoft, I shouldn't have to get a full-blown federal case out of the deal. <laughs> I don't think so. All right, fair enough. Well, that and that would be a good, uh, a, a good recommendation. Is that you're right that when the when the when the dollar amounts are, are are uh, lesser, or if honestly, if as I draft documents now in, in 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 my practice, arbitration comes up a lot, and we include those provisions largely when we know that the disputes would largely be clean cut. There there wouldn't be a whole lot mm -hmm. to dispute here. So they, they do have their place. Yeah, I think another I think another benefit is the confidentiality of arbitration. So if you know you have a something that you don't want to be in the public forum, um, that's when you really want to go to, to arbitration. Um, and, and when you do, um, make sure that if you um, have a mechanism to select the right arbitrator, I think that can really benefit those. Um, individuals. Uh, one thing we haven't mentioned, another benefit of arbitration, particularly in these small cases, is it often can prevent class action lawsuits. Um, and so that 
some consumers may cry foul, but um, businesses that are dealing with uh, a number of um, small disputes can, can avoid the expense of class action lawsuits often that way. Well, it's been very enlightening, guys. Uh, you know, this isn't a subject that we necessarily talk about a lot. So thank you for being with us. I know that you have a lot to do, especially at this time of the year. So thank you again. Uh, always good to see you both. And uh, for our listeners, if you'd like to learn more about our litigation practice, as well as uh, the practice of Mark and Libby, visit us at our website, www.kriegdevault.com. And thank you again for listening.